Welcome, Encounter Church, our Wednesday night Bible study, first one of the new year, and Happy New Year, everybody, 2023. And you know what? We're thinking God's going to do some special things for his people this year. So a lot to pray about. There's a lot coming up. I have a scripture before we get started here a little bit. I have a scripture for everybody this evening. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. Now, the Lord never said we wouldn't have to fight, did he? Right. But because he's with us, what is it? It's a good fight. Mm-hmm. I have finished the course. He lays out a course for us until we enter into eternity with him. A course for our lives, a course for our ministry. You know, in special forces, we have a course. It's a year long. And the last week of that training period is what they call hell week. And it was. But they have a bell in the middle of the campground and a bunch of helmets sitting by the bell. And those are the fellows that decided they couldn't finish it. It was too much. They ring the bell and they're out of there. But you know what? The course that the Lord Jesus has for us, he'll help us to finish. So it says, I finished the course. I finished the course and I have kept the faith. Hold on to Jesus this year like you never have. The enemy's trying to come against Christianity, against churches. And the Lord is saying, hold on. Finish the course, hold on to your faith. Amen? Amen. And before we get to our uh, teaching tonight, just pause for a second for prayer. Special prayer. There's a brother, he's 24 years old, plays football. Most of you probably saw the game. And he was hit right in the chest by another player with a helmet, had a massive heart attack. Took him nine minutes to get his heart started back to get him to the hospital. So he, his name is Damar Hamlin. He's in critical condition. But here's what, in the middle of this tragedy, what blessed my heart. In the middle of that football field was every Cincinnati Bengal and every, uh, the other team, Buffalo Bills. What did they do? They kneeled in a circle and began to pray. Thank God for that. Now, so many times you hear people say, well, the church is washed up, it's finished. No, it's not. So we're going to pray for Damar Hamlin and a brother named Bruce. Uh, one of our congregants here does roofing. And his friend was up there with him, and he fell three stories off that roof. So he also is in the hospital. His name is Bruce. I didn't get an update. Uh, Liz isn't here, but uh, pray for Bruce, and we'll pray for Damar. You know what? Jesus can walk into that hospital room where Damar is and just touch him and raise him up. What a victory that would be, especially after the whole nation watched thousands of people praying for him. Amen? Amen. So that's two people we can pray for. Tonight's study is called A Priest in the Order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek comes from two words. Melech, which is king, And T-Z-I-D-E-K, which is righteous, king and righteous. So we have a video tonight in a little bit that tells about them actually finding the temple of Melchizedek. You know, a lot is going on over there. They're finding things connected to the Bible that proves the Bible, proves the word of God. And before we get to the video, I got a question for you guys. Who can tell me what happened at the pool of Siloam? 
over there when Jesus was here. What happened? He healed a blind man too. They, they have discovered and unearthed the pool of Siloam, restored it, and very shortly it's going to be open to the public for the first time in 2,000 years. Praise God. So with that, let's go to the video, and uh, you might even want to take some notes. This is a very interesting video about the temple of Melchizedek. So let's take a few minutes and look at the video. Then we're going to come back and go to the discussion from our lesson this week. The city of David is one colossal excavation site. Today, hardly anyone questions the thesis that this is where David established the capital of his kingdom. But a 2011 discovery by the leading archaeologist Eli Shukron could take the Bible authority to the next level. Can we say that this temple remains are a witness to the first ever built temple to the God of Abraham? Shukron says that the building oldest parts are at least 5,000 years old. The archaeologist also believes that when Abraham made his way to Salem, the building was certainly already there. The excavation includes four small rooms next to each other. There is a small room with an olive or grape press on the right side. Immediately to its left side, there is another room at the back of which there is a small square altar with a long drained channel. This channel most likely served as an outflow of blood from animal sacrifices. At the far end of the building is another room with a strange V-shaped markings on the floor that could have been used to place a wooden installation that would hold animals for sacrifice. You can even see the cat holes used to tie the cords that hold the animals in the walls. But the most fantastic find is at the back of the center room, where one vertical stone stands straight amid a foundation of smaller rocks. This simple stone was the center place of worship in Jerusalem over 4,000 years ago. Remembering the story of Melchizedek meeting with Abraham, which according to the biblical narrative took place in this place and in a period from which the monument comes, it can be concluded that this ancient temple is a testimony to the cult of monotheism from the time of biblical patriarchs. It would be the oldest monument of this type, showing that monotheism existed many centuries before Israel's creation. We see a similar example of such worship in the story of Jacob in Genesis 28. We read that in the place he called Bethel, Jacob erected a stone vertically, which he anointed with oil. Perhaps Jacob was inspired by his grandfather Abraham meeting with Melchizedek many years ago 
After all, such a type of stone arrangement and anointing oil presses were present in Melchizedek's temple. Especially for you, I made an animation showing what this place could have looked like in the days of Abraham. During the excavations in the city of David, archaeologists found no walls in Salem. It would fit well with the name of the town, which means peace. On the other hand, several caves were found at the bottom of the hill where people originally lived. The temple itself was above the Gihon Spring, which flowed from under the mountain, and in later times was not visible to the naked eye, because it was built with protective walls and led to number of cisterns collecting water for the city. In the first room we see signs on the floor, the purpose of which is still under debate. What do you think they were for? Do you have an idea? Let me know. You can also see a press for wine or olive oil. In the second room we see the so-called Metzivach, a simple narrow stone placed on a stone base. It was the central place of worship during the time of Melchizedek. In the next sector you can see an altar and a place for animal sacrifices. It is worthy to mention that only kosher animal bones were found around the Gihon Spring. We can also observe the blood drainage channels from the blood of animals killed as sacrifice and the tanks where the blood was drained. In the last room, an olive or wine press was found. To end this episode, I would like to present a few conclusions that arise in connection with this discovery. First, even before the advent of Israel, Jerusalem was a unique place where only the Most High God was praised, El Elyon. The Bible from the very beginning to the end of the world sees Jerusalem as the center of God's plan. Second, this discovery reaffirms the Bible narratives from the very distant times. Third, the story of Melchizedek and Abraham shows the continuity of the biblical narrative. Melchizedek greeted Abraham with bread and wine in the presence of whom they glorified God. Today, both Jews and Christians use these two elements, bread and wine, in the celebration of Shabbat and the Lord's Supper. Thank you for your attention. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, I encourage you to comment and share this video. This helps a lot. Or you can subscribe to this channel to stay informed about the next monthly episodes on the history of Jerusalem. See you soon. Amen. Melchizedek, remember the two words. Melech, which is king. 
and T-Z-I-D-E-K, which means righteous, righteous king. It says a lot. What do you think of, who do you think Melchizedek was? What does it say about him? Anybody from your reading? Yeah, four times. Yeah, he was. Amen. That's right. Okay, from our book, let's go to number one, Hebrews 7, 1 through 4. It says, carefully read these verses along with Genesis 14, 18 through 20. List the ways in which Melchizedek is what? Resembling the Son of God. List the ways in which Melchizedek is resembling the Son of God. Who's got an answer for that? Who wrote something down? Yeah. Yeah, born leader. What else? He was righteous. He was righteous, king of righteousness. What else? Somebody? What else was it? Sir? Most high priest. And he had what? He had no mother or father. Amen. And what did he do? He blessed Abraham, didn't he? Yes, he did. Number two. How do the following verses reveal Melchizedek's superiority to Abraham? And that's Genesis in your reading. Genesis 14, 18 and 19. Anybody want to read that? Genesis? You got your Bibles or your phone? Genesis 14, 18 and 19. Just to get the context here. You got that? Yes, sir. 18. 18 says, and Amen. So what did he do? He blessed who? Abraham. He blessed Abraham. And he did something else. He gave Abraham one-tenth of all he had. Talk to yeah, that's what, yeah, he did. One-tenth of everything he had. Right, yeah. Came from his heart. That's right. Okay, uh, number three. From Genesis 35, 22 and 23, and Numbers chapter 3, verse 1, and 5 to 13, who is Levi? From that portion of Scripture, who is Levi? Levi. 
Who was Levi's father? And, and he's also the son of Reuben. What is a concubine? <laughs> what is a concubine? Anybody else got an answer for that one? <laughs> That's a good side chick. What? No, no, he didn't wear a concubine. <laughs> That's good, that's good, that's good, yeah. Made up sources and they did other things. Right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From uh <laughs> No. <laughs> Number 4 From Leviticus 18:1 through 5. <laughs> yep. From that portion of scripture, uh what is the law? What does it mean, the law? Okay. <laughs> In Leviticus, it pinpoints a couple other things in that portion of scripture. Keeping God's what? The law is keeping God's his, yeah, his statutes, keeping God's judgments. It's part of the law from that portion of scripture. Here's a good one for all of us. <laughs> What is a tithe? <laughs> well, back then it was a, a tenth part of the, the land, their flocks. It was the Lord's. Yeah. 
put in in Israel in the biblical times is about 26% of their income. Right. Because they had tithes for different festivals, you had the feast, tithes for the priests. You have to realize that. Well, they just going to get. You have to realize this is their nation as well, so some of that goes to the upkeep of the nation. And so some of that can be considered a tax. So, like, when people complain about 10%, Jewish people pay about 26% uh, of their income, of their land and their flocks and things to keep the work of God going and to keep the community going. So the chosen ones would pay more. No, everybody paid. Everybody did, yeah. Yep. Too much is given, much is required. We don't just stop at ten percent. We we give liberally. The Bible says that he who loves much or forgiven much gives much. So ten ten I mean seriously, we we stop and personally we stop giving ten percent a good while ago. We give more. Because I've learned something that if you give generously, the more you give, the more God does. He gives you Amen. Yep. Number six, to someone who's lived under the law, it might seem strange that Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek. Why might this have seemed strange from the book of Numbers? <laughs> what? That's right. Amen. And the Levites has something to do with that, too. Well, the Levites were the ones that would live uh, off the tithes, you know. Yeah. That was the, that was the tribe of the Levites that uh, was especially assigned to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are the ones that receive the tithes. Amen. And they, they didn't get a portion of land. Remember Levi? Right. He did wrong. And because of what he did, he didn't get a portion of land. So running the church and Amen. running those things, those people were designed to handle the house of God and the yep. worship, and the other people were just a tip. Gotcha. Amen. In, in Psalm 110, verse 4, what does King David say about the Messiah in this particular verse? What does he say? What does he say about the Messiah? Amen. And he'll not change his mind. <laughs> it says in there, God will not change his mind. Number eight. 
It is beyond dispute, Hebrews 7, 7, reveals certain certainty. What is the author convinced of as certain in this verse? It is beyond dispute. What does the author reveal that's uh, as certain? About the law? Yeah, it says, it is beyond dispute, Hebrews 7, 7, reveals certainty. What is the author convinced of as certain in that verse? It's one thing, one point. <laughs> hey, where's Liz? No. Uh, the, the, yeah, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Amen. <laughs> okay, uh, Hebrews seven eleven through seventeen. What does the author imply about the Arianic priesthood in verse 11? Verse 11, yeah. See, we got to read this stuff, guys. It helps. <laughs> yeah, what does it say? What, what does the author imply about the Arianic priesthood in verse 11? Yeah, what, what does it say about the priesthood? It should be what? Amen. That's right. Praise. Right. Right. Amen. That's good stuff. <laughs> According to Hebrews 10, 11 through 14 and 12, verse 2, how does the author believe perfection occurs? 
How does perfection occur? By doing what? Huh? Perfection occurs by us doing something. Doing what? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Focusing on the Lord. Keeping our eyes on Him. That's how perfection occurs. In verse 12, in number 11 here, says that a change in the priesthood requires a change in the law. How do the following verses express the characteristics of the new law? Beginning with Romans 8, verse 1 through 4. We do not walk what? Yes, sir. According to the flesh. Romans 13, 8 through 10. What does that teach us there? What does that inspire us to do? Yep. Uh, No, Romans 13. Yep. 8 through 10. <laughs> Amen. Well, when I like on 13, it says, Let us walk honestly in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. He got the scriptures. I'm going to ignore them. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's good. You don't have to be quiet. That's good. Yep. Amen. That's a good law, by loving one another. If Jesus doesn't teach us anything else this year, that's one to grab a hold of. We need to learn how to love one another. How does the basis, Hebrews 7, 16, Robin, if you're back there. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 7, 16. It's not funny. She does a good job. <laughs> yes, sir. Hebrews 7, 16. Yeah. How does the basis for Jesus' priesthood differ from that of the Levites? How does Jesus' differ? Yeah, it's not carnal. It's not worldly. It's eternal. It's eternal. Amen? Amen. Colossians uh, 2, 9 and 10. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. All right. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. So, answer to that one is, all fullness of deity dwells in him. Thank you, Jesus. Think about that one. Wow. Huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, sir. Hebrews seven eighteen through 25 says something better is guaranteed. Let's see what that is. Verse 18 and 19. Why must the law be set aside? Praise God. Okay, now let's. Why must the law be set aside? Because why? One reason, because of the law's weakness compared to what God has. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now Jesus has died for you, so the law, the schoolmaster, in other words, the law in its perfectness says, you'd never know you were running a red light, or you'd never know you were speeding unless there was a sign that said 75 miles an hour. Right. So you wouldn't know. So you'd be, just be going 120 miles an hour about to kill yourself and not know <laughs> that you were in danger. That's the purpose of the sign. The law is a sign. The, that's God's sign to say, these are my laws that you can live a better life and that you won't fall short of the mark and fall into hamartia or sin and, and do things that are detrimental to you. So they were bound to obey that, like yeah. you said. Yeah. yeah. And what you said is vital because most Christians do what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace, which means that because they think they aren't bound by the law and they don't have to live under the law, mm -hmm. they feel like they can live any kind of way that they want to because they're under grace. Amen. Bob? That, that is, uh, I don't have the verse that I read with the conduct where in, I, I think it's Romans. I'm, I'm not sure. But it says, uh, for what the law could not do, that it was weak in the flesh. Mm -hmm. God sent his own son in the likeness of flesh. There you go. Mm -hmm. And in the flesh condemned sin. Right. See, the, sin, the law made us aware of sin. Mm -hmm. Sure did. That's what Paul said. Had it not been the 
And so that's why we have Jesus bringing a better priesthood, better everything, you know, as a high priest of God. Yes, sir, he does. So nowadays we have it. Uh, when the woman was brought before him, they, they wanted to do what the law was said. But he says, if any one of you without sin, let him cast the first Praise one. God, yeah. Christ is the ultimate priest. He's not a high priest. He's the, the ultimate priest. Yes, sir. On your heart. Yeah. Amen. That's beautiful. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that God expressed how He had no pleasure in sacrificing right in the, in the blood of bulls and goats, and 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 Christ comes to the body you have prepared for me, O God, to do your will. He takes away the first yes. to establish the second. Thank you. Amen. Amen. A tangible way to see the intangible. God yep. always gives us tangible things that we can see yep. to give us revelation on spiritual things that we can't. That's why he does many things. Yeah. If you can't understand earthly things, how can you understand spiritual things? Amen. Yes. They didn't write this law in my heart. The the Hebrews had to have a mitre box, and they put the law on their heart, on in the forehead, yeah. and all those things. Now that was symbolic. What he's saying is, so your children it will ever be before you. Now we have the Holy Spirit, and we know what the Holy Spirit does for us. We we said something. We got the Holy the Holy Spirit something, yeah, or, or in the South something. And what that means is, some told me not to do that. <laughs> some told me to do this. If you're saved, a lot of times the Holy Spirit. That's right. Oh, you say something, it's like you shouldn't say that way. And you, you automatically feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your heart. With that in mind, in verse 20, yeah. who, who swears the oath in verse 20? Who swore the oath? Who was the person? The Lord. Amen. <laughs> Yep, and that and that last two verses, 24 and 25, list the phrases that make clear the better covenant. What does it make clear? <laughs> Jesus abides what? Forever. He lives what? To make intercession for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did Jesus offer up as a sacrifice for sin? Himself. Himself. How is Jesus our high priest described in verse 26? Some words that described him. Holy. What else? Righteous. Innocent. Undefiled. Thank God. Separated from sinners. Now, 
The last question is for all of us. How does this description of the Son strengthen your confidence in him as your high priest? How does that make you more confident in Jesus? The fact that holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners. How does that strengthen your confidence in Jesus? Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Amen. That's right, brother. Right. I know. Yep. And, and when you dig into this, you see that he he, he has the goods. He's yep. the one in authority. He's in charge. Yep. He's like the figurehead of God. Amen. He is. I mean, he's the visible image. Amen. Of, of, of God. Yep. That's <laughs> praise God. Wow. You know. Yeah, Bob. That's right. But in all things were tempted as we are. That's right. And so that's why we go to him. He is our advocate. Amen. And that mediator, the glory you know, of God. Uh, that's, that's it. Hi, hon. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Amen. That's good. That's good. Brother Ernie, I, I, I've, I've been transparent. I, I, maybe I'm the only person that's ever been saved and woke up and didn't feel saved. You look back to the life and the stuff that the church folks couldn't see, and you said, I can't get to heaven. Been there, done that. <laughs> Amen. I was going to say guttermost to uttermost. Other stuff. <laughs> and the enemy talking about a site you were on, you had no business being on, the things you said about somebody around somebody back you had no business saying, or, or you looked at somebody and you said, I'm going to pray for you, but in your heart you were saying, Good for you. I told you. you know, <laughs> yeah. Have you been there? Anybody yep. Been, been there. there. When you, everybody was raising your hands all of a sudden, you can tell when it happens in service because you know what? Somebody's hands will be just like this all of a sudden. They, yep. <laughs> That's but right. So <laughs> well, you know what? This this was good tonight. 
thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you don't know Jesus, John 3.16 says that you can get to know him. And uh, we'll be glad to pray for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if that's you tonight, we're praying for you. Whoever you are, let us know. Call in, write in. And uh, remember, let's pray for Brother uh, uh, Damon. And I pray God will lift him up. So many people prayed for him. Just pray that God's going to lift that brother up and bring him out of intensive care and restore his body. Amen. All it'll take will be a touch from Jesus, right? So see you next week, folks. We love you. God bless you. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.